This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Iron. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is... This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. All right, guys, welcome back to the Stavis Pass Podcast, presented by Clutch Points and our friends at Blue Wire. I am your host, Blake Lovell. With me is my co-host, Dylan Reagan. And, uh, Dylan, what a Super Bowl. Um, it was really the game we all expected, a very close, tight contest the entire way. Um, you know, lots of points on the board. It was just, we all called it. We knew it was exactly what it was going to be. And sure enough, uh, the high-scoring affair uh, goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, not exactly. Unfortunately for for us and for I know after the after calling the the Rams Patriots Super Bowl a couple of years ago, Tony Romo and Jim Nance were really stoked to get a good one. It feels like every amazing Super Bowl we've had in the last uh, ten years or so has been uh, either Al Michaels or Joe Buck on the call. But instead, that yeah, they get this matchup, and sure enough, does not live up to the billing whatsoever. But not necessarily for reasons that I don't think weren't obvious. I think it's just kind of things that we, as we go into this, that we, at least I, kind of just ignored because of what we've seen from Mahomes. We were, I'm not shocked that the Bucks got pressure with four against uh, the banged-up offensive line of the Chiefs, but the impact it had and a lot of other things as we talk about this game, those things are more surprising. And I think it's just we got so used to Kansas City, even when things are going against them. And even during you know most of that first half and maybe even at the beginning of the second half, you're like, there's going to be that moment where it clicks and it happens. And sure enough, it didn't. And that's a credit, obviously, to the Bucks and everyone in that staff and that, that defense and all those guys that have been, especially guys like Levante David and Mike Evans and so many guys that have been there for so many years with so many losing teams. And finally they got to show, you know, how good they really are with a more complete team built around them. Yep, they did. And uh, it was quite a performance for sure. Uh, I think, I don't know. I think back early on in the game and, as you're kind of seeing things go along, it felt like pretty early on. Like we were looking at it, we're thinking, okay, like this, this really actually could be like one of those defensive battles. Like I felt like early on because it was, I don't know, like I just had that sense that we could tell even from the first couple of drives that you could see the pressure that the Bucks mm-hmm. were getting on Mahomes. And I thought from there, you know, and look, it's even the Bucks like on their first couple of drives, uh, you know, wasn't yeah. anything particularly special. And so, I don't know, it was uh, it was such a strange start to the game in terms of, like mm. we said, I think a lot of people expect it to come out and just get points, 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 points. Um, that didn't happen, and really, I, I tell you, I really did think from pretty much like that opening drive for the Chiefs 
um, maybe even into that that next try for them when you saw the pressure and just the speed uh-huh. that the Bucks were coming with on defense. Uh, first, my first thought, Dylan, was I should have immediately bet the over on Patrick Mahomes' <laughs> rushing yards because yes, yes, that that was one. yeah that was something I was immediately uh, hitting myself over. Like, why did I not bet the over on him rushing uh, for whatever it was? I don't remember what it was set for. I want to say it was like 20, 20 something. It was yeah. like twenty eight or twenty nine. Yeah, it was something ridiculous. So he finishes with thirty three, uh, but he mm-hmm. but he still hits that. And I'm thinking, okay, I should that, but. I, that was to me the first thing, like watching this game. You know, what's the f- initial thing that stands out that you start to sort of form your opinion on what the rest of the game could look like? Like that was it because they were getting off the line, they were speeding around the the Chiefs' offensive linemen, and and they were just running towards him. Yeah, it's a cliche maybe to say that the games uh, football is won at the line of scrimmage, but. It's not like it was just, like, straight-up, like, simple stuff. I mean, these guys obviously are way better <laughs> than their, their counterparts they're getting from the Chiefs' offensive line with all the injuries they've had, uh, guys opting out, things like that. I mean, that that's part of it. But it's not like the Bucks were just straight-up every play lining up in the same alignment with four. They were bringing different guys sometimes that have JPP on a couple of the RPOs drop back into coverage, and it led to Mahomes handing off when he might have wanted to throw a quick out to, to Kelsey, things like that. But even when it was just the, the, the front four, they had different slants and stunts and just alignments that kept the Chiefs linemen guessing. And I thought it was interesting. I mean, some of the blitzes that the Bucks did have had success. Uh, one early in the game, I think it was on the, the drive the Chiefs punted initially. It wasn't the, the crazy play where Mahomes escapes the blitz and hits Tyreek Hill in the face mask. But there was another one where they brought two corners on this one blitz. And I think it just kind of kept early in the game. It kind of was like Todd Bowles is going to still be Todd Bowles. And sure enough, they don't really blitz most of the game, only 10% of the snaps. And I think it kind of kept the Chiefs' offensive line, though, guessing early on. They thought they were going to be facing all these different blitzes, and all these guys are guessing, who am I going to need to block? And they're moving around in different alignments, and they're just running right past them. I mean, you could make an argument that I know as we get uh, through this conversation more to talk about how the, the Bucks' offense was able to adjust to some of the blitzes from the Chiefs and some of the great things that make Tom Brady who he is, and we can go on about that in a bit. But I, I really do believe that the Bucks defense and Shaq Barrett, if he'd actually just finished some of his pressures, he had four pressures. But they're all in key moments, especially the I think of the when it was 14 to three on third down. He it, it was a, a chance for at the end of the half for the Chiefs to close the deficit to 14 to 10. Maybe they don't call the timeouts idiotically to give Brady another chance to score if they get a touchdown instead of a field goal. And the play didn't even have a chance to start because Shaq Barrett just went right around the right tackle and was in Mahomes' face, made him roll out. It's a credit also to the DBs in the back end that, I mean, a lot of times we see Mahomes escape pressure and find guys. They clearly were sticking with their men. I haven't watched the All-22, but uh, Mahomes does not hesitate to throw if someone's open. There's a reason that he kept waiting and waiting until he got right to the, the sideline to, to throw the ball away. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, again, it's a cliche, but you have, as a lot of people on Twitter have pointed out, the, the highest rate in Super Bowl history of dropbacks pressured for a quarterback, almost 52% of Mahomes' dropbacks. He was under pressure, and that was with, again, with only 10% blitzes from Todd Bowles. He he did not stick to who he's been for his whole career uh, with all the success he's had with his blitzes and his aggressiveness. He, I mean, he's smart enough to know, <laughs> I don't need to rush four guys or more than four guys. We're getting pressure. Maybe there's certain spots where we will to confuse the Chiefs and, and force things out even faster. And, I, I, I mean, I don't know if it really would have made a difference, but, again, I, I talk kind of – 
briefly about how the, the Bucks did adjust with some of the play calls they had, to, especially on their first touchdown drive, that really were perfectly, uh, you know, adjusting to the, the high pressures that we our uh, blitzes that we expected from Spagnola. But on the flip side, the Chiefs they ran over 90% of their snaps with five-man protection. I don't know if it really makes a difference if you have someone, uh, some of the running backs staying in the chip in, and obviously you can't really hope to keep Kelsey in there to block too much, given how important he is to your ability to move the ball through the air. But, man, they just didn't adjust. It reminded me a lot of going into that. I mean, it's a very different game, but that Rams-Patriots Super Bowl afterward, all the advanced stats kind of said the Rams needed to do more 12 personnel. They needed to have a couple extra uh, tight ends there to help block to help set things up based on not just their own success, but also the Patriots. Uh, they were much worse against 12 personnel that year, and the Rams didn't do it. And now in this game, I mean, the Chiefs probably still lose given what the Bucks were able to do offensively and all the talent that Tampa has. But I just was surprised they didn't try a little bit more, uh, of, uh, you know, with heavier protections to, to give Mahomes a chance. Uh, it's just he was constantly running around. It's not like they could have really gone to the screen game. That's another thing people have pointed out that they, made, they you know, they went away from. There's such a successful uh, screen uh, innovator, Andy Reid, but it's really hard to do that when that, that really works when teams are blitzing. It doesn't really work when you have linebackers just sitting there waiting. You're still getting pressure with four. That's why you saw some of the, the screens they did try not work. Um, but man, it was the Bucks just had more answers than we've ever seen in the Mahomes era against the Chiefs and. Obviously, it doesn't help when they make a lot of mental errors on defense, a lot of uh, you know questionable flags. But nonetheless, there's a lot of plays that basically every questionable penalty that there was in that first half was matched by some dumb move by either them going offside in the field goal, uh, some other just unnecessary plays by their defense. Obviously, the Chris Jones personal foul. There's just a lot of things that were unchar- uncharacteristic for the Chiefs in this run and uh, problems that <laughs> I, I – fully ignored, especially with the offensive line. Uh, but it, even Mahomes is human if, if he has absolutely no time to, to, to throw on basically every single down. You know, I, I think back, we, we kept having the conversation about the Chiefs um, mm-hmm. probably over the past, what, I'd say, I'd say at least a month and a half or so, um, where we were talking about, you know, this Chiefs team, they're, they're winning games, but it was almost like, you know, I don't know, like it, it was different. It's like, well, we, we expect them to win at this point. So it's like, we're not going to bet against them. But, you know, I think we go back to certainly the Browns game was a little bit different. Um, you know, and then against the, yeah, the Falcons game, like I think back to that one. Um, who else was it? Even I think that game against the Dolphins, they, they struggled a yeah. little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you could go back a while, I think, really in. Um, you know, th- there were a lot of those different games I think we saw maybe on the back half of the regular season to where, I don't know, m- maybe there was something to it. Um, you know, and, and again, I, this is not to take anything away from the Bucks because they're, they're the reason why this game was what it was because, uh, as you said, the defense was just on another level. But it did seem like this Chiefs team, um, you know, when you maybe compare them, to I don't know even that team a year ago like it, yeah. it it sort of felt like this team wasn't I don't know they weren't as dominant maybe as if you compare them again I, I would have to go back and you know we could sit mm-hmm. here and, and debate it all day long but it did feel like there was a little bit of something with this team um, that I don't know just just did not feel the exact same maybe that we felt with that team when they made that run a year ago yeah I mean it 
I, I do think if you, you put this exact Chiefs team on the field a year ago that they probably lose to the Niners given the, yeah. how insane that defensive line. We talk about this Bucks front four being amazing. That that San Francisco with everyone healthy last year, DeForest, and that, man, that would have been a mess too. Uh, the stat, I, I don't know if they would have matched this stat. Mahomes, uh, Seth Walter tweeted out, Mahomes ran 497 yards before passes in, uh, or sacks wow. in this game on non-running plays. That's the most by QB the entire season um and i <laughs> like yes I, I don't think anyone really discovered like a, a blueprint or anything that's one thing that's kind of being thrown out there to, to, to beat them i think there's a lot of factors that led into this but you are like like you said i mean i think we maybe ignored that a bit after they had such a convincing win over the bills um and even in some of the games that were close def- or close victories the majority of them were kind of like the first matchup with the Bucks, where they'd be up by like 17 and the, the, the deficit would get closed uh, in the final minutes and the Chiefs would just run out the clock, those kind of things. So it wasn't – I mean, yeah, I just uh, – really the hit, uh, without, you know, their, their starting tackles, without one of their starting guards, with just the lack of depth up front, I, I, yeah, it was just a, a much bigger problem for them there. Um, in terms of what they could have done with all that talent, I mean, I still think the Bucks uh, may be a little underrated based on the record. We kind of talked. This is a, a theme as we every time we talk about Tampa, I'd always point out. I'm like, I'd always say they're always they're still top two or three in, in total DVOA. Even though when they were seven and five, I think they were still third at the time. They finished second in the season, only behind New Orleans in total DVOA. One of the most balanced teams on offense and defense. And I think we just because they lost some of those games as they were trying to figure things out. I think maybe that got ignored a bit. They also had in the second half of the season the highest EPA of any offense in the NFL, which is I mean, but like they figured things out as the year went on. They they early in the year they were really not using play action a lot. That's one stat as we get to the the Bucks offense. I'll talk about the, just the heavy use of play action in this game that really like was basically the difference. Um, and they yeah they just adjusted so well and you know I, I think they were just a really like a better team than a wild card team. I, Eleven and five obviously would tell you that, but uh, obviously in the Saints division with the Saints, it's really tough to win there. And just some of the results that happened early in the year and different things with that team as they kind of, you know, again, it, we didn't have a full off season. We didn't have all these things uh, that we usually do to ha- allow the Bucks to get ready. We had there's a story of Tom Brady walking into the wrong house when he's trying to find Byron Leftwich <laughs> to talk about the game plan. Like these things, they had to adjust. Um, and as much as yeah, I as much as I keep you know wanting to you know, like we're talking about the Chiefs and maybe they're not as dominant as last year. I think it's that, but it's a combination of injuries for them mixed with just this Bucks team being that good and really f- firing on all cylinders with not just figuring out who they are on defense, but really on offense. This team, uh, man, they owned up front. I know that the Chiefs got that one fourth, fourth down uh, goal line stand, um, but for most of the game, I mean, it's not surprising. The Bucks were one of the best teams in the NFL in short yardage situations at running the ball. Chiefs are one of the worst. But, man, they <laughs> there were some different things in this game, that, uh, especially the four-net touchdown, where they, they, they also did a great job of going against their tendencies. They had not pulled uh, their bottom three. Nate Tice was talking about this on the Athletic Football Podcast uh, this morning. Uh, they hadn't. They were bottom three in pulling linemen on run plays in the NFL, and in this game, they 
constantly did it, not just on run plays, including that four-net power run for the touchdown in the second half, but also play-action plays where they were just confusing. You can, if you, you freeze the, the, the game, even up from the normal TV view, you just saw a linebacker. You see the same thing that usually we see the Chiefs do, where they get linebackers and safeties second-guessing and kind of flat-footed, and next thing you know, it's a touchdown. It was basically an RPO on the, the, touch, the first touchdown to Gronk, and it's, it's things like that that are, you know, you expect the Chiefs to be a little more prepared on offense. Uh, but, again, there's only so much you can do with <laughs> when you have no time to develop anything. Um, and on the flip side, I think Tampa Bay just really became a, a full, complete team. Well, I was looking back at it, and, I, I mean, again, we probably could have realized this if we really dove, dove into it. But eight of their last ten games for the Chiefs they were decided by six points or less. So in all their wins, there were six points yeah. or less than the two of course, the Chargers game, which meant absolutely nothing in Week 17, uh, and you know the game against the Bills, where they wound up pushing that out to, to two touchdowns. So um, that's that's something too. And you know, that they, they they did a lot of things right, like you said. But I, I think too, you think about this team in particular, and um, that they had some breaks go their way as well. Like I know we yeah. think about that Browns game, like it could have been completely <laughs> different, you know, based on um, how things unfolded there. And so. Um, but yeah, it was um, quite quite a dominant performance uh, from the Bucks defense. Then going over to the Bucks offense, as you just said, um, man, I, I felt good about my my Rob Gronkowski um, <laughs> anytime touchdown bet right off the bat yep. because uh, this guy, I don't know, there was something in the back of my mind. I was just thinking, it's a Super Bowl. These two have been together. Like you know, they've got to have some stuff planned mm-hmm. to be able to get those two you know, something going because they're the two guys that when you really think about it, like, you know, they're, they're the two that uh, are part of one of the most, you know, biggest dynasties mm-hmm. we, we've seen in a while. So, um, and they got that going. And I mean, we're looking up and I am, I'm thinking like midway through the second quarter when Gronk catches his second, I'm like, this guy's going to get four touchdowns in the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl <laughs> MVP. And, you know, what was it? Probably six months ago, he's running around, yeah. Um, you know, wrestling. <laughs> and it's like, my God, like this guy is just, maybe this guy's on another level no. too. We talk about Brady as uh, one of the greatest of all time. Maybe Gronk's mm-hmm. in there because uh, this guy just steps back on the field and he catches two touchdowns now in the Super Bowl. But um, th- their offensive game plan was good too because you could tell they got a lot of uh, different mm-hmm. things that they wanted. You mentioned the play action stuff. Um, and even, you know, that their running game for, at certain times, like you, yeah. just, you saw guys, you know, both those guys, both Fournette, and Ronald Jones, which I know they got a lot more work because they had a lead for a big chunk of this yep. game. But but still, those two guys ran pretty well. They both averaged over five yards a carry. Um, I thought just overall it was, you know, as much as we talk about the defense, and it was the, the bigger part of this, but uh, the offense was pretty good too. Yeah, we, we always – we never really think about it with the Chiefs, what happens if they fall behind by too many points because they usually are able to score so quickly. But their run defense, as we've talked about, has always been one of their Achilles heels. It's ranked last in DVOA this year, and sure enough, Tampa Bay, like you say, was effectively able to run the ball. I do think Gronk had a decent case for MVP in this game, uh, not just for the, those touchdowns, but on the, the four-net touchdown, he throws an amazing block. He's always been an amazing blocking tight end, but I think in this game, you really saw that play out, and that is the reason that it's the same way we see with uh, so many offenses that have uh, receivers that are willing to block really well that they are able to leak out so much easier in these play-action plays, and we saw it with Gronk in this game 
Um, uh, just, I mean, that's, you, you get credit, you, you know, you benefit from your hard work because it really does help pay off. But yeah, the stat that I had written, written down in this game, so they used play action on the Buccaneers on 40% of dropbacks this year. They really didn't use play action a ton until towards the end of the season as they became one of these, uh, the, like, again, the, the best offense in terms of EPA in the second half of the year. On those, on those 40% of dropbacks, they were 9 for 11, 129 yards, three touchdowns, 11.7 yards per attempt. That is ridiculous. Like, they just killed them with play action, uh, they, as well as some really creative screens, not just the Gronk, but to some of their other guys, uh, especially on that first drive. Just the combination of screens and play actions that really threw the Chiefs blitzing off. And uh, Tom didn't really, you know, he's, he's faced Spagnola so many times, and they did bring out uh, some, you know, blitzes, I'm sure, that were not the ones that they were completely prepared for. But the Bucks' offensive line, to their credit, and all their guys uh, from Gronk to their to their uh, running backs, everyone just stepped up and helped. Basically, it looked like Tom had a great pocket almost every single time, even when they blitzed. So, and he didn't wait to, you know, he didn't try to make the the hero plays outside of maybe you could say the one PI where Mike Evans got caught up with Breland. Like other than that, I mean, most of the throws he has like a couple like twenty yard pass dagger throws over the middle, but nothing like insane. He just made the right play, saw the defense, made the right play, and knew, trusted his team. And, man, they, yeah, obviously play action. We talk about teams like the the Rams and uh, so many teams that run the ball and really need to, uh, the 49ers as well that need to run well to, to use it to succeed. But, I mean, that's part of it. But it also really works well against a, a team that's trying to blitz like the Chiefs were to, to throw off what they're able to do and uh, just really couldn't be more impressed with, <laughs> with the, the offense. Uh, for Tampa Bay, man. It's just they had an answer for everything, and it's not something that I completely, you know, given the success of Spagnuolo against Brady in his career, thought maybe they'd have a little more success. But once they get that lead, they, they probably could have scored more points, but they didn't need to. Like you said, they just were able to pound the rock, and it, you knew they were going to get four or five yards basically every carry. They were just wearing down the Chiefs. The Chiefs got demoralized. Those guys on that defense aren't used to looking up the scoreboard and only seeing six points, nine points. They're used to their offense putting up points, and I'm sure that – it's something they can help feed off. Uh, just didn't have it. And, uh, yeah, obviously I kind of already alluded to some of those penalties, on that, especially the, the last touchdown drive before the half. Uh, they were questionable. You could even say maybe on the, the Brady pick to, to Tyron Matthew that their, that holding was a little questionable. But every one of these things were followed up by, again, the the Chris Jones personal foul that you have the lining up offside in a field goal attempt. Just – calling timeouts when you could just go to the half down eight and get the ball when Brady has the ball. It's just things that looking back and even in the moment that you're like, what are they doing? And it just, it's something we didn't see from the chiefs. Uh, obviously they're up overmatched up front, but just things like that too, that the bucks were so much more composed. And it's, I mean, obviously a lot of these guys on the Buccaneers outside of the most important players, uh, Tom, uh, you know, outside of a few of these guys, they had never really been in this situation, but I think having Tom there all, all year, there's, I uh, forget who, uh, which player said that all, I think it was Leonard Fournette, said that all week leading up to the game, Tom, every single night before he went to bed, would text every single player individually and say, we will win this game. Like, he just sets this tone that as much as, you know, the Bucks had a lot of this talent, there's a reason, not just because of Tom's actual play, but his leadership too. There's a reason this team that had these talented players that kept missing the playoffs and kept, you know, every year it seems like <laughs> for the last, like, five, six years, like, wow, they have a lot of talent, but I don't know, it's just not going to happen. just feels like maybe what we'd say with some teams like, you know, maybe not this year, but past years like the Falcons, we're like, I just don't feel it anymore. And uh, Tom comes in and 
Jeez, it, it felt like every one of those guys had been – it felt like we were watching the Patriots. It felt like every one of those guys yeah. had been in this situation. It felt like that kind of pre- uh, preparedness that you just don't see from a team that's making their first Super Bowl in 18 years. Yeah. I mean, listen, we, we, we said it before he ever signed with the Bucks. We said if there is a team that would make sense for him that he felt like he could win with right away – like the Bucks were one of those teams because yeah, of, of all the <laughs> options they had. And look, this was before you know they brought in Leonard Fournette and before Antonio mm-hmm. Brown and um, pro, you know before we thought we knew the defense was going to be to that level. We knew they'd be better, but um, this was before all of that. And like you could tell that the nucleus there was pretty good. Um, yep. and, and yeah, I think that's something that that can't be. Um, you know, underestimated here because I think about this, which I guess, you know, it's all certainly part of uh, how the game played out too. But if you're the Chiefs, it looked like, and I know people were talking about it going in, like the, the thought was going to be, well, we got to try to figure out a way to stop Chris Godwin. We got to figure out a way to stop Mike Evans and we're going to let Gronk beat us. Well, that's basically what happened because, you know, Chris Godwin had two catch or two catches for nine yards. Mike Evans had one catch for 31 yards. Um, and we talk about how big those two guys have been all season long, but then, you know, you have the two big plays for Gronk with touchdowns. He's got six receptions, 67 yards. Um, they just, I don't know, man, they just have so many different options. And I think we, mm-hmm. obviously, we're going to focus in on Brady and uh, all that. But I just, you know, I don't know. Like, just overall on this offense, the different options that he has mm-hmm. at his disposal. And, and, look, that's why he picked the Bucks Because if he was staying with the Patriots, they're not playing in this game. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. They're, they're not in the spot because they don't have those options uh, at this point, when you consider kind of where they're at uh, overall, and so look, people say what they want about Tom, but uh, he's a, he's a smart dude. Uh, he's a smart businessman, and uh, you know, it, a business decision to go to Tampa because he had everything in place he needed to be able to win there. Yeah, it worked out. I mean, we yeah, we, that was why one of the main reasons we said it uh, before the season, before he made that decision, that it made sense. Obviously, the weapons, but also the underlying stats and how good their defense was last year. But then to complete it, I mean, they really they had some of these pieces. But then you draft Tristan Wirfs, you draft Antoine Winfield. These guys just come in and immediately become such huge. Uh, Devin White. These guys become huge pillars of this team. That it's just really quickly, and it, it just all kind of came together. Uh, like you're saying, he's smart to go here. I mean, we saw, like you're saying, the Patriots won't have been here. We just saw that last season when they lost to the Titans in the first round uh, with with Brady just struggling to find anything. It's, I mean, it's, it's a credit to Tom. And obviously, uh, if you do flip, if you think about Tom, if he had the Chiefs offensive line in this game, what that would have looked like. It's Obviously, that's, <laughs> that's true. But there's a reason he, again, there's a reason he chose Tampa Bay. There's a reason... Uh, that he looked at this and saw it as an opportunity to continue his legacy. And now, yeah, man, I mean, for I, obviously you can say anything you want about all the talent he's had around him. You can talk about how his defenses have performed. Obviously, now the last two Super Bowls, neither team that he's uh, that he's faced has scored a touchdown. Uh, but there's passing yards and a loss to the Eagles. He had some great performances, drop passes, big plays that went against him, ridiculous plays in the other Super Bowls. You could argue he could be 10-0 and in a Super Bowl, too. So I think it's all just the fact that he keeps getting yeah. here is ridiculous in itself. Um, that One of my favorite stats that I, I, was, I think it just a uh, SportsCenter account tweeted out that he has more playoff wins – or sorry, he has more conference championship and Super Bowl wins than any quarterback has playoff wins. Uh, that's Joe Montana with 16. And Brady also has 16 total playoff wins since turning 37. 
Uh, so he's second on that list with Montana, just after the age of 37. But, man, it's it's ridiculous, um, his run of success. There's no, like, <laughs> I, again, I, I get some of the – I do understand. Like, it is a team game, and there's a reason, like, we came into this podcast mostly talking about the dominance of the Bucks' defense, and we should because – they're the they shut down a historically great offense in a way that just was not expected. This is this is this is more impressive. I know that what the Patriots did to the Rams and how good that Rams offense had been in 2018. There were things that were lining up over the second half of that season that made it not as shocking. This was, I mean, even with the, the injuries on the offensive line, this was still really impressive. But that should not take away from what Tom is and what he's done and what he continues to do. And I mean, it's not like he didn't just beat. Aaron Rodgers in, in in Green Bay didn't beat Drew Brees. I mean, the, the run of teams, they just beat all these road games, and they finally come home now in this one. It's just, yeah. I mean, and to live up to all those expectations, like all the pressure when he I – mean, we said it when they just got to the conference championship. I personally, maybe obviously from their point of view, they're going to look at it as like Super Bowl or bust. But from my point of view, just getting to the conference championship, given all the expectations they had, that was an amazing accomplishment with everything they'd went through. But to, to push through that and to win these two games, especially the way they won this one, uh, like you said, we've seen that from Tom in terms of you know, talking about Mike Evans and Godwin combining for three catches and 40 yards and them still winning like this. I mean, we've seen this from Tom throughout his career in terms of he's not going to force things to, to certain guys. He doesn't uh, – and that helps as being a, such a – you know, with all of his accolades and who he is. No one's going to – maybe with a younger quarterback, they might <laughs> – complain a little bit or get mad if they don't get targets certain receivers but with Tom what are you going to do you're not going to go to Tom Brady and complain about not getting the ball yeah. in front of you so that to have that kind of <laughs> that helps a lot in terms of he set the tone of this is an unselfish uh, mindset it's a mindset focused just on winning and whatever has to be done to do that that's what he's focused on and sure enough it all it all came together in this one it was just a complete complete game but I mean Brady's again Brady's accolades are and he's going to keep playing, like you said. I mean, <laughs> Tampa, if, if they can keep it, and they should be able to keep most of this together. None of their coordinators got hired away. Like, there's no reason to think they won't be right back close to the spot at least next year. Yeah, they should be. And uh, as you said, it's funny to think back to probably five, six, even seven years ago. There were probably columns being written about how Tom Brady's championship window was closing and, uh, you know, here he is now with seven. And I'm convinced the guy just wants one for every finger. So I think he's going to play until he gets ten, and <laughs> that way he's got a ring uh, for, for every single finger. So we'll see, man. Uh, this guy just, I don't know, he's uh, he's on another level. Uh, if you can't understand the greatness involved, then I'm sorry. I don't I don't know how to explain it to you at this point. Uh, seven, seven Super Bowl titles, and uh, that that is that. But, Dylan, before we wrap up, we're going to quickly go through some of our uh, picks for the Super Bowl because oh, yes, um, we, we have to do that because uh, we, we made some picks and yeah, some of them turned out okay, some of them did not. So let's go to the important one first because finally I end your streak, uh, your one-year winning streak on heads or tails. I picked heads, coin toss was heads, so uh, I will take the victory lap for that one. However, Dylan, we had a bit of a swerve here on the Gatorade color because yes. – we said going in, you know, red and orange probably going to be your best bets here. But it mm-hmm. uh, turns out that a big winner on blue at plus 800 were the odds going into this thing. Blue with a with a very impressive victory here. A come from behind, underdog win uh, for Blue Gatorade. Yeah, I was not expecting that one. But, again, that was the color. I, mean, I believe when I looked at the uh, previous Super Bowls, that was the color the last time Tom won. So maybe there was... <laughs> 
some luck there. There's the same thing with Tampa. I mean, obviously they wore white throughout the playoffs, so maybe that's partially why they wore white. But that was the thing the Patriots did, uh, you know, not necessarily in the the first part of the dynasty, but this latter, this uh, late part of Brady's career where, you know, after they won Super Bowl 49 and 51, they wore white again on purpose in Super Bowl 52. They won Super Bowl 53 in white. So (laughs) I think maybe there's a little superstition also going on with the Gatorade, even with Brady there. Could have been. Uh, we also talked about the MVP speech. I, I'm pretty sure he mentioned teammates first. We had that discussion. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure he said something about his teammates first. So uh, I think that one was the leader. Uh, you know, pretty basic odds on that one. So uh, USA, which we laughed about, did not get mentioned first uh, in uh, that one. Uh, we're not exactly sure on the Miley Cyrus side boob. I know we had a pretty long conversation about that. I don't think she did. So you weren't getting a lot of value, as we said before, uh, if you were actually someone who bet on that. Um, the over-under, though, on the national anthem, uh, we did talk about the importance of this one. I think we said, Dylan, going in, I thought that this was going to go over. Um, yep. And I think when you have a country singer, I think sometimes, you know, <laughs> and you have the duo, the, the, the duo, like that's both of those two together, I think it was pretty safe bet to take the over, and it looks like uh, we hit on that one. Yeah, just narrowly, I – at least what I saw was two minutes and one second. Uh, it seemed longer live, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> uh, surprisingly, I mean, hey, it worked out for us. But like you said, the, the duos, I mean, it was still a lot faster than previous duos. We looked up uh, our duets when they've yeah. uh, performed an anthem. Usually it's in that two-minute to so ten-second range. So it was still a little short, but, you know, we got the victory. At least that's one victory for me because, yeah, most of these <laughs> overall, you really – really handed it to me. Well, that's all right. Um, Speaking of which, I did not do that on this one. We both decided to take the over uh, at 56. That did not happen, I will say. I'm just going to, full disclosure, I did actually bet the under right before the game because I was getting getting the cold feet. I was like, hold on a second. Like, everybody's betting the over. Like, I'm going the opposite. Uh, Bet against the public. So, because public wants to see points. So, I took the under and went okay. So, uh, there's that. Prop bets, uh, what was our favorite? We said the one that we thought most likely to get uh, the best bang for our buck. Uh, There were no missed extra points. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good bet. Uh, Dylan had the uh, how many players have a passing attempt at over, under, uh, two and a half, which would have meant the two quarterbacks plus someone else. Uh, As we said, Dylan, before we came on, uh, if it would have been how many players, how many non-position players will have a touchdown catch, uh, Uh we almost got that one with the Bucs lineman. But, uh, man, he just at the very last second, big play from the Chiefs defense to knock it away. Um, Let's see what else we had. Over under 17.5 on the jersey number first touchdown score. That was under for us, and it winds up being over because Gronk uh, is the one to score it. So not good there. Um, (laughs) Not good. So. Should have had Tyreek on that one. Yeah. That, that play by Mahomes, and just overall in this game, mm-hmm. I know we really didn't talk about some of those plays at the end of the game. Some of the throws Patrick made, yeah. <laughs> like My lateral goodness. to the ground, were just some of the most impressive. Not even just that uh, lateral one that, or that picture uh, freeze frame of him went viral, but <laughs> just so many other ones were just so impressive what he's able to do under the pressure. But, yeah, yeah. Tyreek, should have, we should have had that jersey one. Uh, obviously, no passing attempts, like you said, though, that – Big man to touchdown so close. It's not not going to expect him to, to make that catch through uh, through the contact as he, uh, as it ended up being the over under really disappointing. But uh, yeah, I did check teammates was the first. I, I just uh, confirmed mm. this, so uh, that was the first thing that was said. One thing that I think I don't know if we talked about in the last podcast. But I really, the, but that we definitely you and I did discuss was them showing a clip of John Gruden. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the, they, did not, they did not show anything wow. of the previous Bucks Super Bowl. I just thought about I that. Hmm. About, which 
I mean, I get that there's there so much focus. Maybe it was just too much on, on yeah. Tom and then also on Bruce and the coaching staff, and that's great, and hmm. as it should be, but still kind of surprising there. Yeah, I just not thought about that. That's a good point. I, I probably would have noticed that if I said if I saw it, I said, oh, yeah, we talked about that. But the fact that I didn't see it, I didn't even think about it. So, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a surprising one. I, I thought for sure, too, that usually they, they do this flashbacks. But um, what else do we have uh, here? Chiefs uh, or pat, more passing attempts. Of course, I went to, with the Chiefs. You went to with the Bucks, and the reason why was that we both picked different winners. I picked the Bucks. You picked the Chiefs. We both had a high-scoring game, uh, and I went with the basic chalk pick of Tom Brady as the MVP. Uh, Dark horse was Chris Godwin. That wouldn't have worked out, but uh, we get Tom with the MVP. So uh, there you go. Those were our picks. Uh, I guess Dylan, before we wrap up quickly, uh, favorite commercials. Were there? I thought. I thought this. You want to talk about a, a really improved year. Like last year, I thought the commercials were terrible. But this year, I thought there were a lot of good quality commercials, and I, I'm glad about that. Because I feel like there's been a little bit of a downturn in recent years yeah. in terms of the commercial quality. But it seems like uh, they, they really went all in this year, and uh, I thought there were a lot of good ones. Yeah, I, you know, compared to – I really should do a better job of this because I'm always working during the Super Bowl, <laughs> and I usually during the, the commercials and looking down a bit more uh, to, to kind of get things done in between the gaps. I will say that Cheetos commercials stuck yes. out to me uh, for sure. Uh, there's one car – was it Toyota? I can't remember what car brand it was. Uh, it was either them or someone like that that had a, a pretty solid one. But those are ones that stuck out. I'd have to rewatch. Most of them, again, it's I, 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 the State Farm one, yes. pretty solid, <laughs> kind of funny, especially with both of uh, those guys going down to Tom in the last uh, consecutive weeks, uh, added mm-hmm. a little extra flavor with Drake there, but yeah. those are probably the ones that stuck out for me. What about you? Yeah, I thought that was the one uh, that stood out when you had uh, Paul Rudd as Patrick Mahomes' uh, yes. stunt double there. That was, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, I did point out, too, on Twitter that I, there's a lot of 90s themes uh, in the commercials yes. this year. You had, like, Wayne's World. You had Beavis and Butthead, um, you know, for the Paramount Plus uh, streaming thing. You had uh, Seinfeld. You had the George Costanza uh, shirt and all this other stuff. Like, it was just um, – it was great. So, I did. I thought there were a lot of good ones uh, for sure. So, uh, Tracy Morgan ones, all of those were funny. I thought that he yeah. was – he was in multiple and uh, did a really good job. So, yeah, there you go. Commercials were good. Uh, game, not so much. But uh, Tom Brady is a Super Bowl champion yet again. So, uh, that'll wrap it up, Dylan. Uh, we got a lot of great stuff covering the game uh, over at Clutch Points. Lots of stuff on the fallout. And uh, as we know, the NFL never stops, and there's already rumors about uh, what's coming next in the mm-hmm. offseason. Carson Wentz is getting traded soon. Uh, it's madness over there in the NFL, and we're only you know less than 24 hours removed from the Super Bowl. Um, and uh, lots of NBA as well. NBA takes center stage here, and baseball will be starting soon, so let everybody know yep. if they can find all that. Yeah, we got all the coverage of the offseason for the NFL in the Clutch Points app and the NFL section as well as in clutchpoints.com. And the NFL section there, as Blake mentioned, yes, tons of, uh, you know, maybe we'll have like a week or so where it's kind of calmer, maybe not <laughs> given what's happening with Carson Wentz, but it won't be long until all the free agency stuff really heats up. We, we have a lot of articles looking at that you can read on our on clutchpoints.com, looking at the best ratings for every team to, to sign, some guys that surprise roster cuts we might see from every franchise. So we've got all that covered. As you mentioned, you can also follow NBA games in the Clutch Points app. we got all our NBA coverage in the app as well as on the site in the NBA section. Baseball uh, with spring training. Only, I think I looked at least the Dodgers' first ones like in like th- less, a little less than three weeks, which is ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, we'll have those games. Uh, you know, we have some coverage of the Trevor Bauer signing. Helps the 
helps keep the Dodgers as the top contender in the National League. We'll see, though. I think your Braves and the Dodgers probably, along with the Padres, those have to be the three teams for me, in the at least in the National League, that have the best shot to make a World Series. Yep, should be fun. Uh, before, how about this? We're going to do quick, quick pick here. Carson Wentz, if he gets traded for the next time we podcast, uh, who's it going to be? Uh, it seems like the Bears, which is maybe the, mm. unless you're a Bears fan, the most Oof. <laughs> fun kind of thing to see. They they just promoted uh, John DiFilippo, who worked with uh, uh, worked with Carson pr- pretty extensive, extensively in Philadelphia. He just got promoted to pass game coordinator um, along with quarterbacks coach there in Chicago. So, uh, man, it, uh, it feels like that that kind of move that's like. But then again, I did think when Sirianni got hired by the Eagles, um, that would be that was kind of a sign that they were going to keep him, given his experience with Frank Reich and his success, Reich's success with Wentz. That's why the, the Colts are probably right there, obviously with Frank there. But yeah. I don't know. I just feel like the Colts have they have a, they have better options. They don't need to. I don't know if they're going to settle in this case. I feel like the Bears maybe with they kept pace, they kept. Uh, Nagy and I think those guys <laughs> realize they're gonna have to kind of turn things around quickly. I don't know if it's the best case scenario for the long term health of that franchise, especially yeah. some of the issues they have cap space wise. But maybe that's the I'll go Bears just because it, it feels right now not not so much you know every single rumor, but it feels to me like that could be the game where he ends up. Yeah, I guess those you? those are the Someone obvious two. I, I think Bears or Colts. Uh, I was gonna say the Raiders is a dark horse, but um, <laughs> uh, that would be wild. I I don't know, man. I I could see the Raiders doing something like that. So uh, that, what about but, the Niners? Do you think the yeah, Niners would consider it? Or do you I, think they're they're still in a better. They'd just rather have run it back with Jimmy. Yeah, or, if, I, if I'm the teams. Niners, I think I don't. I'm not sure that you're. I don't know. I don't know that that move. Different to make it, yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know that it does anything significant. So, uh yeah, I mean, it's possible, of course. But I, I would think the Bears or the Colts. Like I said, I, the Raiders. I always throw in everything just because the Raiders are <laughs> just they're pure chaos sometimes. So, there, uh, you, you might have seen the article. Uh, we did an article. It was. Uh, from Vince Bonsignori of the Las Vegas uh, Review Journal about how they're they have to kind of talked about possibly trading Derek Carr and trying to get the using those picks to flip for Deshaun. That's kind of a crazy scenario, but they I mean even if they don't get Deshaun, it's not like you're saying. I think the Raiders are definitely a team to keep an eye on in terms of even though Derek Carr I think was seventh in DVOA this year, they had a really efficient passing offense. Yeah. But uh, wouldn't be surprised if he, if they flip him for a couple of first rounders or whatever they can get, especially after what uh after we saw what happened with Stafford. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting this offseason. That's 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 the sure thing for sure. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting and uh the NFL offseason uh, never disappoints, that's for sure. So check everything out at Clutch Points. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, any podcast app you use you can find us there. And uh, thanks as always to fine folks at Blue Wire for all the you. and thank you as always for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next time here on the Tablet Bass Podcast.